seven dwarfs. Can anybody give me the names of the seven dwarfs or one of them? Happy. Happy. Sleepy? Dopey. Dopey? Grumpy? Sneezy? You're doing good. Bashful? Doc? Vic? Oh. Oddly enough, I think you got most of them, okay? <laughs> got most of them. And oddly enough, too, it wasn't the younger crowd that got the answer. <laughs> Those are older characters, aren't they, from way back when? Well, I kind of want to take issue with some of these guys. As you probably noticed, as you, as you name them off, if you just think about the names of the characters, they're not normal names, are they? A lot of them are emotions, uh, condition of the person. But there's one in there, it's called Doc, isn't there? And apparently he has to keep them all straight. <laughs> so this morning, you know, I kind of wanted to emphasize and look at something I think in our Christian behavior that seems to have uh, gone amiss a little bit, and that's happy. I, I want to focus on happy a little bit this morning. Because I think many of us have been chasing something that's been very difficult to attain, and that's happiness. Let's go to prayer first. Our Father, this morning, I just... Uh, Lift this opportunity to be at this place, this moment, and this time. Lord, I pray that you just move myself aside, Lord, and let your spirit speak freely, Lord. Lord, I pray that each person hearing would also do the same, that you might speak to their hearts, and Lord, write us anew in your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So anyway, I want to address happy. And happiness, which is a, which is a condition. And lighting is not the best for me with old eyes. Uh, my premise was uh, this verse right here. Psalms 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with external pleasures at your right hand. Okay. And then my question I wanted to ask myself, and, and this has come to play in many times in my life and others around me, and particularly family, and I just... As I come to be a little more mature in Christ every day, I hope, I just shake my head at what's going on around me. And many seek happiness, but few find real joy today, don't they? They few find real joy. And this morning, I think, was uh, one of the highlights of joy as we've seen two young people come to know in fullness Jesus Christ and want to display that through the ordinance of baptism. And I, I bet if I took it to the parent, asked the parents how they felt right now. Radley, how do you feel right now? Great. Great. Happy. Happy. Come on, use the right word. <laughs> Nobody's using the right word. How about joy? A great joy, isn't it? It's a great joy. Anyway, let's just examine, first of all, the description of happiness, as it would be found in the dictionary. It is a mental state for well-being characterized by positive emotional ranging from contentment to intense joy. Now, joy is mentioned there, but it's, I think we find ourselves more looking for contentment than we do anything else, and pleasure. So I want to focus again now and go on to pleasure. And, and, and make note, you know, happiness is a flawed pathway to the pursuit of pleasure. And pleasure is distinguished differently than joy in the Bible. I don't know if you knew that or not. I, I kind of found that to be 
little. I'd always had my spirit knowing that there was something different about happiness and joy. Didn't quite know what it was, so I researched out something about that. And there's a Greek word that kind of lends itself in the Bible the word, to, towards the word pleasure called hedonism. Hedonism. And goes back, and, uh, and it's centered around self-seeking pleasure. So right now you start to see the conflict as we selfly centered our happiness and pleasures into what we hope to attain in life, can't you? It's all wrapped around me and nobody else. It's all wrapped around me and nobody else. So we find that in conflict with what the Bible tells us we should have, which is joy. And let's, let's look at the, uh, the definition of joy, if you would. The happy state and that comes from knowing and serving God. Doesn't sound much alike, does it? Sounds a, a good bit different. And it's interesting to note that joy is found over 150 times in the Bible. And if you expand that to joyful and joyfulness, you, you go over 200 times. So it's something the Bible really puts a lot of influence on, that this is the way we should have our character ingrained in Christ. It should be in joy, not so much in happiness and attainment of the things that are in this world, but chasing after Christ himself. So what are the pitfalls of, of falling uh, into self-centered happiness? Anybody got an idea? Just, I'm just going to throw it out. What, what could be a pitfall of falling self-centered happiness? What's, what do we commonly call it? We call it sin, don't we? Sin. You know, many times we've chased after these things. And I want to just consider some scripture down in that same light. Because many of us have heard about, you know, sin and, we, and different things. We tend to feed our flesh and what it craves. And a good example would be that the, the prodigal son. What did the prodigal son? He took all the inheritance of his father, only to spend it on spoils of the world, only to find himself empty, only to find himself coming back to the father again. Only coming back to the father again. Thank God he even thought to come back to the Father. Many people in our world today, in our community, have a difficulty even coming to know who God the Father is. And consider Jesus' parable about the sower, Luke 8, 14 through 15, if you want to note that. And again, he's talking about the word, God's the good word that God gives us. He says, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked out of life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But here's the opposite. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by preserving, produce a good crop. So saying all that and kind of getting you going the right direction, I hope, <laughs> uh, let's just look at what does God's joy look like? What does Jesus' joy look like? What does the believer's joy look like? And I'll even give you a few examples of myself, and hopefully you find yourself in many of those same examples as we move forward here. God's joy. In Genesis 1.31, just consider the creation. What did he say about the creation? He said it was good. Now, he wouldn't say that unless he was really in joy about that, would he? He enjoyed it, didn't he? In Isaiah 68, 15, let me read this to you. But be glad and rejoice forever in, it, in what I, I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I'll rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. He takes delight in his people, too. Again, joy. Joy. 
And Jesus' joy. What does Jesus' joy look like possibly? We obviously have seen many of his ministries in, in the scriptures and the gospels. And we look at, uh, just look at some of the parables he taught. He taught about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the love of the Father. Okay? All those in Luke 15. He found joy in bringing people back to himself, didn't he? Joy. In, in my opinion, I think uh, Jesus is the ultimate expression of the Father's joy to the Son's birth. Life's death and resurrection. A mission completed and completed the gospel message, which brings man the path of joy and restored relationship with the Father. <clears throat> in John 16, 20-22, Christ explains what is it to come from his death, even. He says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman gives birth to a child and has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish, and because of that great joy, the child is born in the world. So with you now is your time of grief. And I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Again, he's talking of his resurrection, isn't he? Let's look at the believer's joy. What should it look like? How should you be as a believer? What should it look like? Of course, the first step toward joy is first believe in Jesus Christ. You don't have an opportunity to, express, to have that joy until you believe in the Son that the Father sent. You've got to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've got to believe what he stands for, what he intends for you to do. He intends for you to repent of your sin and turn back towards the Father. In Acts 8, 8, when Samaria received the gospel message, there was joy in that city. You received the message, and joy goes everywhere. Acts 13, 52, disciples were spreading the word even when persecuted. They were filled with joy in persecution. Acts 13, 48, receiving the good news, and the disciples were filled with joy in the whole spirit, with the Holy Spirit. When they received the good news, and the good news goes out, there's great joy. Okay? So if we find something lacking in our church, maybe we're just not getting the good news out there. Maybe if you're not feeling that great joy that the good news can give the world. Joy in the Christian life is in direct proportion to the believer's walk with the Lord. Okay? If you're not finding that great joy in your life that Jesus Christ offers and brings, maybe it's because you're just not trying to walk with him. Trying to walk with him. In Galatians 5.22 but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Love, love is the first fruit. Listen. What was listed second? Joy. Reckon that was any coincidence? Doubtful. Okay. Doubtful. The love brings, of course, the Father's love into our heart. We've got to have that first, don't we? With that comes the great joy we experience. Sin in the believer's heart robs a person of joy and in David's Psalms 51, 8-12, you see his need to be restored to sin. You see, David said, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from the presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. See what even David's heart was. He, he, he needed that joy. He needed to be restored to the Father. He needed that. 
Paul could even rejoice in his suffering. And we're all talking about the, what the believer's joy looks like. Okay, are you getting this? This is what the believer's joy looks like. Okay? Repentance brings great joy. You know, many things. Okay? Anyway, Paul said he could rejoice in suffering. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like an opportunity to have joy, does it? In suffering. We don't enjoy suffering. I don't like it. You don't like it. Nobody likes it. But Paul knew the ends to the means of what it, where he was at. He knew the ends to the means. Paul considered that. Romans 5, 3, 5. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay. Let's look at joy in the Lord here. What it enables us to do, to enjoy all God has given us. You might want to just jot these categories down. Fam family, Proverbs 5, 18. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in your wife or your youth. Uh, it says here in, in food, in First Timothy, I think as he was, kind of, as he was contemplating you know, the, the law and what you should eat. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. In celebration, Deuteronomy 16, 30-15, celebrate the festival tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine presses. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons, your daughters, your male, your female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, the widows that live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God, the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and all the work, and your joy will be complete. In fellowship, Philippians 4.1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends, as Paul addresses the Philippians church. In sharing in Romans 12.15, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Okay. Okay, I told you I would also express to you some of my joys that I have found in my some many years as being a Christian since age nine. This is kind of interesting to see these little guys up here getting baptized, and I can remember being baptized. Can't remember the exact times, but I can remember the joy. Okay, I can remember the joy of being saved. I can remember trying sharing that joy with others around me at that point in time, and what it meant to me. Okay, for the most part, you know that. My first joy that comes to my mind is my maternal parents. What joy they brought to me because they introduced me to Christ Jesus. My salvation age died. I still remember that, okay? The fulfilled promises he's given me. The present spirit, the redemption, the redemption salvation, eternal life. Care, he cares for me. He provides. He gave me a godly spouse. He blessed me with children and grandchildren. He's answered my prayers. He gave me hope, peace, perseverance, gentleness, kindness, and benevolence. A church home and brethren. Okay, great joy. I take joy in all of you. One of the great, greatest places I love to be in the week is here. Here this morning with you. Not so much preaching, but maybe I'll get over that. <laughs> and Christ in me. Okay. And Christ in me. Last, I just wanted to bring to light the Christmas hymn, Joy of the World. And I just want you to listen to the, I'm just going to read out the lyrics to you. I'm going to give you, first of all, the reason, and then you're going to hear the rejoicing. And the, the songwriter wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And 
heaven and nature sing, rejoicing you. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. The next reason, joy of the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding of joy, rejoicing. Repeat the sounding joy, rejoicing. Next reason, no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, the rejoicing, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. The next reason, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes his, the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, the wonders of his love rejoicing, the wonders of his love rejoicing, and the wonders of his love rejoicing. This morning you may find yourself not rejoicing in your life. You may find yourself seeking happiness, chasing after the things the world has. This morning I implore you to search your hearts that you might consider Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Thank you.